0: This is not about freedom or personal choice wait what well that was the president of the united states and i am jp mack welcome to liberty relearned and as you could guess i'm going to talk a lot about the president's recent speech uh regarding vaccine mandates um suffice to say it was one of the most chillingly um, authoritarian and divisive speeches I've heard. Um, As a matter of fact, it is the most authoritarian and divisive speech I've heard from a U.S. president. Now, first, let me be clear. I am not anti-vax i am anti-vaccine mandate as a matter of fact i think probably most people would do well to get the covid19 vaccine of course i would recommend doing it in consultation with your physician Uh, do your homework and then make your decision based on the facts um But I believe that the facts for most people will lead them to get the vaccine, particularly if they're in one of the categories uh, such as uh, advanced age or having uh, severe comorbidity such as diabetes or high blood pressure or some other malady uh, that makes you... uh, particularly susceptible to the COVID-19 virus. And so I strongly encourage everybody to look into getting the vaccine and weigh the pros and cons and make your decision accordingly. Um, But what I'm not for is for people being forced into uh, one course of action or another I think that's a something that's uh between that person and their loved ones and their doctor and that and that choice should be theirs and theirs alone um I don't believe in uh government meddling in uh people's health care particularly when it comes to, uh, putting a chemical, uh, substance into your body that is not, uh, native to the human body. And so I'm going to read to you some excerpts from the president's speech of September 9th, 2021, the one where he mandates, uh, people getting vaccinated for COVID-19. And again, it's um, the most chillingly authoritarian, uh, anti-democratic, anti-constitutional speeches I've ever heard. Um, This is like um, number one on the list. Um, And when I read some of the passages, I think you'll agree that uh, he crosses the line on a number of occasions and uh so i'm just going to uh start out with a quote uh fairly early on in the speech and this speech is available uh online um i'm posting it on the web so that you can access this um for yourself but uh let me let me read to you an excerpt from the speech where he says, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated and it is caused by the fact that despite America having an unprecedented and successful vaccination program, despite the fact that for almost five months, free vaccines have been available in 80,000 different locations. We still have nearly 80 million Americans who have failed to get the shot. And to make matters worse, there are elected officials actively working to undermine the fight against COVID-19. Instead of encouraging people to get vaccinated and mask up, they're ordering mobile morgues for unvaccinated dying from COVID-19 in their communities. This is totally unacceptable. Well, here um, I'm going to call him out on this you know where where are we where are we finding mobile morgues being ordered rather than uh, uh vaccines and mass? um he totally misrepresent misrepresents the position of these um well we we know um that he's talking about republican governors uh in almost every case here so he's he's talking about uh, red state governors and uh so let, let me read that passage again and to make matters worse there are elected officials actively working to undermine the fight against COVID 19. Right, what's his basis for saying that uh the foot the the fight against COVID-19. There's no one settled way to fight COVID-19. Obviously, vaccinations are part of it. Uh, Masks, in some cases, may be a part of it. And social distancing may be a part of it. Um, But there's no one way. Uh, There's no one-size-fits-all solution. So, how are they undermining the fight against COVID-19? I think, um, you know, that's something that we, you know, I just have to call them out on that. You know, show how the fight against COVID-19 is being undermined. Because as far as I know, that anywhere in the United States... If you want to mask up, you can. If you want to get vaccinated, you can. Um if you want a social distance, you can. Um uh, if you want to take uh most of the therapeutics available, you can. So there's no governor that I know of anywhere that's telling you that you can't do any of these things. So where does he get off saying that these efforts are being undermined. No, what, what's being undermined is the decision being taken from the individual and put in hands of uh, unelected bureaucrats in Washington DC and, and elsewhere. That's what's being undermined. The The efforts to, to fight COVID-19 are not being undermined. As I mentioned, Um, All of these things are available on a voluntary basis already. And as a matter of fact, the red states' governors are doing what they can to uh, facilitate. Uh, Sanus in Florida, for instance, has been uh, stumping for the monoclonal antibody body treatment i think it's what it's called and uh, it's basically uh, uh one of the therapeutics that's available that seems to be effective against covid19 he's advocating for that he's uh establishing sites and i would imagine funding through the state of florida for people to get this particular uh treatment um so where is he um how is he undermining the fight against COVID? And uh, you're going to hear other other places where you know he very the president very pointedly talks about DeSantis, even uh, if he doesn't mention him by name. So let me continue on. Um, it says, "Well, I'm just going to um, continue from the end of the last paragraph." This is totally unacceptable, he says. Well, unacceptable to who? Uh, to you? Well, who Who are you? I mean, you're the president of the United States, but you're not the king of the United States. So why is this unacceptable? And when you say it's unacceptable, unacceptable to whom? And he goes on to say, Third, if you wonder how all this adds up, here's the math. The vast majority of Americans are doing the right thing. Nearly three quarters of the eligible have gotten at least one shot, but one quarter has not gotten any. That's nearly 80 million Americans not vaccinated. And in a country as large as ours, that's 25% minority. That 25% can cause a lot of damage, and they are. And so here again, he's starting to pit uh, Americans Against other, he's pitting uh, unvaccinated Americans against the vaccinated. Now, who's making up this this 80 million, or this 25 percent? Well, uh, the statistics would say large amount of those unvaccinated, they're black and Hispanic. Um, Of course, the largest percent, or at least the the group that's most, uh, has most outsized, uh, most overrepresented as a portion of the population are the PhDs. In other words, the uber educated. Um, And a lot of the, uh, a lot of that 25% is young folks. So these are constituencies. When he does this straw man argument that he does throughout the speech and all the time, uh, with his rhetoric against red state governments. Keep in mind that the true facts are, again, that it's largely African Americans. Uh, it's largely young people um, who are very low risk of dying or even becoming hospitalized for COVID-19. These are the people that uh, by far represent the greatest group, the greatest proportion of the 25% he's talking about. So keep that in mind. Um As I go through the rest of his speech, and uh, continuing on he says, the unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals are overrunning the emergency rooms and intensive care units leaving no room for someone with a heart attack, uh, pancreatitis or cancer now again, where are the facts to back that up? Yeah, there may be anecdotal evidence of individual hospitals having problems but uh, first of all the icu units are being controlled by the government um so the hospitals don't necessarily have uh, all of the icu units that they want or may think they require and also you have to remember that the business model of a hospital is to try and basically fill up every room so it's kind of like that of a hotel where a hotel wants to book uh every room they can you know the largest uh percentage of the rooms um hospitals are no different and so when you hear uh talk about icus being overrun um yeah you have to take that with a grain of salt because again the hospitals don't have a complete say in how many rooms i c u rooms they have, and also their own business model calls for the i c u rooms to be used because an unused room basically means you know no revenue being generated that that particular room that particular unit is not generating any revenue for the hospital and so the hospitals actually want the rooms uh, as close to capacity as they can Um, and that's their as I said that's their business model kind of uh, flows along the lines of hotel in that respect one thing I also want to mention going to real briefly before I continue analyzing the speech is that uh, this speech in general basically tells me that uh, the left uh the Democrats really have no idea um, what motivates the right or the conservatives they they don't have a good messaging for. Uh, conservatives and that's why that's one of the reasons why they fail because they make no attempt to understand the reasoning that's going beyond that instead they just skip straight to the demonization of conservatives or republicans and or anybody libertarians who's uh skeptic uh what's what the government is doing in the name of fighting COVID. So kind of keep that in mind as as I uh continue reading from the speech. Um listen, do you think this is coming from a person who understands you if you're a libertarian or a conservative? Or does it speak to you as if you're a little child? Uh are they talking to you or at you? Uh so keep keep that in mind as I continue on with the quotes here. Um, Because as as I'm gonna show you in this next quote, um, if he sticks to the facts, I mean, the facts are really on his side, but you have to understand how to convey them to a way that doesn't sound condescending because that's what people want. I think really is just tell me the facts. They and they want to be able to discern what's the best best course of action for them. And so, in several spots in the speech, uh, he talks about the facts. I think if done properly. Now, I don't think he done it doesn't properly in the speech. But like say another person. Uh, giving basically the same facts we do it again in a non-patronizing way non-condescending way um with a different attitude a more constructive attitude i think he would that person would go a lot farther in uh, achieving their objective which should be to get uh from this more people to receive the vaccines but he doesn't do that so keep that in mind as i read uh uh, the following passages and fourth i want to emphasize that the vaccines provide very strong protection from severe illnesses from covid19 i know there's a lot of confusion and misinformation but the world's leading scientists confirm that if you are fully vaccinated your risk of severe illness from covid19 is very low in fact Based on available data from the summer, only one out of every 160,000 fully vaccinated Americans was hospitalized for COVID per day. These are the facts. So here's where we're, we all stand. The path ahead, even with the Delta variant, is not nearly as bad as last winter, but What makes it incredibly more frustrating is that we have the tools to combat COVID 19 and a distinct minority of Americans, here it comes, uh, get ready, uh, supported by a distant minority of elected officials, again, uh, DeSantis et al., are keeping us from turning the corner. These pandemic Politics, as I refer to, are making people sick, causing unvaccinated people to die. And that is classic scapegoating, identifying uh, a group of people, mainly the red state State governors. And uh, he's giving them, he's offering them up as who to blame for this problem. Now, just just as an aside to this or kind of um, an addendum to uh, what else I'm saying here is that the when he's talking about these red state governors, he's talking about the red state governors in particular in the South. Now, if you're familiar at all with the American South, you know that these states are extremely hot and humid during the southern, summer months. Some of them, you know, all, all year long, be, almost basically, but they're extremely hot and humid during the summer months. And it's what what you'd call uh, air conditioner weather, where you just, people are just driven inside to be in the AC. And so they're not spending a lot of um, time outside and this is a regional thing, and, um, but he makes this into, like, a convenient scapegoat. Um, so if you're unaware of these facts, you might buy into all of this nonsense about these red state uh, southern governors um, undermining COVID-19 efforts. But uh, you just take the time to understand what's actually going on is that this is really you know this is the weather that drives people uh inside okay so we're in the winter uh you have other parts of the country in the north and northeast uh, where people are driven inside for the heat and of course that makes them susceptible to more diseases particularly you know respiratory diseases that's when we have our uh, cold and flu season, most of the country has the cold and flu season during the winter months. Uh, that's a big part of it, is people being driven inside. And of course, we know that from the pandemic itself, because early on when we were doing the lockdowns in the United States, um, that's where the the uh, COVID cases were happening. They, they were, uh, it were people who were being under lockdown, who were observing the lockdown, who were basically chapped together in uh, houses or tenant buildings, uh, basically being forced together, they, that's where they were getting COVID. And of course, you know, rather um, than being at work, where at work you might have more strict COVID protocols, you might have... Mass mandating, particularly uh, back last year, if you remember, you you had mask mandates, social distancing, you had plexiglass dividers. You had all of these mechanisms in the workplace and that did not exist at home. So what the lockdowns did, particularly in most cases in the United States, is it drove people into these less controlled environments where they're not wearing masks, they're not social distancing. And, you know, you, you think you're doing your, yourself good by working from home and staying away and not getting other people sick, but what you're doing is you are getting the people around you in your apartment building or your tenement building or your house or your household, you're getting those people sick. And that's what, the, uh, that's what was born out. In the statistics, uh, early on in the pandemic, when there was uh, widespread lockdowns uh, last year, is that uh, you know the the lockdowns driving people indoors into less controlled environments had uh, the opposite effect as what was intended, and so that's what kind of what you have here in the South, in the American South. You have people being driven indoors by the weather, by the hot, humid weather. And so you're reproducing kind of those lockdown conditions. And they're not spending a lot of time outdoors. And now you can see, if you look at a graph in the United States and cases, you can see that um, we've apparently turned the corner already So as of mid, early to mid September 2021, okay, we are uh, cases nationwide are declining and deaths nationwide from COVID-19 are are declining. And you can look this up on Worldometer.org, I believe it is. Uh, You just type in Worldometer, COVID-19 and and then you can. Uh, we'll take. They'll link you to the site where it gives you all of this information. It's an excellent site, so I hope you will avail yourself of that, particularly if you want to look for yourself what uh, states and countries are doing, uh, how well other states are doing and other countries are doing compared to each other, and uh, when COVID is hitting and where um, it's. It's a really great resource. That's uh, worldometer, I believe it's worldometer.org, but anyway, check it out, Google it really good resource. So, anyway, get back and getting back to this speech here, um, where he's scapegoating these uh, red southern governors. Uh, keep in mind that the people, again, this is AC weather, this is air conditioner weather. Down in the down south in America, and so it's kind of causing a spike similar to a spike that you would see like in the northeast or north, in other parts of the country where you have uh, extremely cold winters and a lot of snows, and you know people are driven inside for the heat. Well, in the south, you have people being driven inside for the AC. So similar phenomena. So keep that in mind. Um, All right, continuing on, um, we cannot allow these actions to stand in the way of protecting the large majority of Americans who have done their part and want to get back to life as normal. As your president, I'm announcing tonight a new plan to require more Americans to be vaccinated to combat those blocking public health. Again, scapegoating. But we need to do more. Uh, This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. The people you work with, the people you care about, and the people you love. Now, this is the part that just made my blood boil when he said that. But we need to do more. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself yourself. And those around you. This is not about freedom or personal choice. Uh, yeah, he, so he did say that. Um, you heard it from his own lips. Uh, this is not about freedom or personal choice. I would suggest it's precisely about freedom and personal choice. And that is why he fails. That is why uh they fail to get uh a constructive message out uh it, to the people who are like vaccine skeptics or who are just unsure or who want to who are skeptical about a govern government uh power. In most of its forms, but particularly um, when it comes to injecting something into your body. Um, He totally fails to get the motivations of these people. And that's why they've been failing. Again, it's the failure to understand the people you are trying to reach. Because... Let's face it, like, all of the people who were, who would have been deathly afraid of COVID-19, uh, all of the people who maybe ha- were waiting because they had um, some severe illness or their advanced age, they're one of those groups that are highly susceptible and they, they were waiting for a long time, and finally the vaccine came, and they got the vaccine. And all those people who basically just will do um, what the consensus says and what the path release, release resistance is. Um, those people, and, and there's nothing particularly wrong with that. that. But, okay, you've gotten all of the easy people, and you've gotten a few of the skeptics but now you want to reach the people who are skeptical of government power in general and these are people who've heard uh claims all over the place well you know you get the uh, vaccine you don't need the mask um and of course you know you hear about all these breakthrough um cases with COVID-19 for, with vaccinated people. And so there's a lot of contradictory information, a lot of contradictory messaging going out there. Um, I would suggest that most people, now there's some people who are just ardent anti-vaxxers. They simply don't believe in vaccines of any form or they particularly don't, for whatever reason, believe in uh, the covid vaccine but these people are, are people you're not going to reach and there's always going to be that segment of population which i believe is is fairly small i mean it's it's enough to be noticeable but it's fairly small in, in comparison to the rest of the population so but for those people who are reachable or have open mind this is not the way to reach them um, these are people want to know what are my chances. What's my percentage chance of coming down with COVID and ending up in the hospital or dying from COVID-19? What's my percentage chance if I get the vaccine as opposed to not getting the vaccine? Uh, am I better off if I'm a young person who's probably not going to get sick? Am I going to be better off? Uh, not getting the vaccine because of these side effects that uh, some of the vaccines seem to have. Some of the vaccines uh, do indeed um, are problematic, have side effects that are extremely, can be extremely dangerous to a small portion of the population. But, you know, if you don't know if you're in that portion or not, then why would you not be skeptical of getting the vaccine, why would you not be hesitant? Um, So you have to understand the risk-reward ratio for getting the vaccine as opposed to not to. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. That risk-reward ratio is not the same for the 20-year-old as it is for the 50-year-old as it is for the 81-year-old. It's not the same for the person with the heart condition as it is for the uh, uh, 20-something in the military in uh, excellent physical shape, okay? But nonetheless, you know, the president wants to make it mandatory to give the vaccine to the military. And, of course, there's other dimensions uh, regarding that, but your typical... The, just by virtue of the fact that you're in the United States the military means that you're not in that age group that's susceptible and you probably don't have one of those underlying conditions that cause complications with COVID-19. And so of all of the people, you know, you have U.S. military and you have, you know, say professional athletes who are collegiate athletes, um, all, those, all the people who really could stand not to get the vaccine, and these are people who are, are not getting the vaccine. It's largely young, healthy people who are not getting, getting the vaccine. Now, you're meant to think that it's the uh, credulous rube uh, down on the farm, the hayseed, the, the hick, the hillbilly, The redneck who, you know, Trump supporter, you know, cling to his God and his Bible and his gun. Uh, It's that deplorable person that's not getting the vaccine. But the facts are that it's largely uh, segments of the minority population, particularly African Americans. It's young people and the uber educated uh, segment of the population who are not getting the vaccine but they are offering as a scapegoat for the problems, uh, the people, these red state dwellers, the deplorables, as Hillary would call them. Uh, And that's part of the uh, divisive, highly divisive, highly um, just divisive and partisan and really scapegoating theme that runs throughout the speech that really um, really hurts hurts them and of course, what happens is people, particularly the more libertarian and more conservative people, they recoil they hear a speech like this and they recoil because they know that they're being derided in this speech. And some of them, you know, they they want, the government wants to, or mass media wants to make out that these people are being misinformed. Uh, It's misinformation they want to blame it on. But I would say that's probably a relatively small percentage of the population who doesn't want to get the vaccine. Now, certainly there are some people of goodwill just misinformed they've heard the wrong sources or they put too much weight on certain sources as to other and they put too much weight on on factors that maybe don't apply to them as much as they think they do but i think most people just want the facts and if you give them the facts and you talk to them and not at them you talk uh to them and not down to them, and I think you'll get a better response than what uh the particularly the left has is seeing here. Okay, in this next sentence I'm going to quote separate it out, segregate it from the rest of the speech. Because I want to address it specifically. That's where he says, quote, my job as president is to protect all Americans. No. Your job as president is to protect the rights of all Americans. Uh protecting all Americans falls the 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 need to protect all Americans. That's an individual right. Now it, it is one that the government has i mean that's why we have a military and a police force but ultimately protection self protection is a responsibility of the individual it's not the responsibility of the president again he says his job is as president is to protect all americans his job is to protect the rights of all americans very important distinction so i want to uh point that out and he continues on so tonight i am announcing that the department of labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with a hundred or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week again um he is delving into authoritarianism here. He's even uh, delving, dare I say, into fascism here. Uh, of course, if you've followed this podcast or if you've researched historical fascism, you know that uh, besides the uh, images of the jackbooted thugs being fascists, you know that historical fascism, uh, the fascism of 20th century Italy and uh, Germany and to maybe a lesser extent um, uh, Spain uh, during most of the 20th century, you know that um, fascism is basically a large component of fascism is basically the uh, heavy hand of government on business. And so there's no real idea of a uh, private property in fascism and of course fascism is just um a subset uh, of collectivism okay so in the same sense that uh you have communism and socialism are are collectivist ideologies uh, fascism also is collectivist uh, in the sense of specifically um for the state and what he's doing here is uh, using the heavy hand of the state to basically mandate um what private companies can do and that is indeed a component of fascism and he continues on uh let me be blunt my plan is also takes on elected officials and states that are undermining you and these life-saving actions again he's scapegoating um unfairly the the red states because they want to they're looking for uh they're protecting liberty of the citizens as they should rather than dictating the actions of the citizen. so anyway continuing on with quote Right now, local school officials are trying to keep children safe in a pandemic while their governor picks a fight with them and even threatens their salaries or their jobs. Now, here he is specifically saying it is talking about uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida. Uh, He continues on, talk about bullying in schools. If they're not, if they're not helped, if these governors won't help us, beat the pandemic i'll use my power as president to gain get them out of the way Uh, wow in one paragraph biden goes full authoritarian shredding both the concept of federalism and the separate separation of powers according to the constitution for a member of the party always screaming, democracy, democracy, democracy. He doesn't sound like he's very into democracy, does he? Okay, and that's what the Democrats do. Um, one of their themes, um, you hear, and of course, it's, it's the Democrat Party, so it's in their name, is they talk about democracy, well, there's a lot of countries that don't have that have democracy in some form, but don't have freedom. I mean, they had elections, you know, in Afghanistan. Uh, you could hardly call Afghanistan even before the rise of the Taliban, take over the Taliban, you could hardly call uh, uh, Afghanistan, you could hardly call that country a free country by any standard particularly any western standard and also you have countries formerly free countries like Australia and New Zealand that also have these draconian measures um it's really just um blatant tyranny at this point it's not even like the soft tyranny uh you know you hear about the soft tyranny of low expectations this is just hard tyranny against the people uh australia and new zealand and they have the democratic process people um can be convinced uh i can't fathom why but well i i can but they're trading their freedoms for security which we know what ben franklin thinks about doing that but uh they have these very authoritarian regimes In their country uh, that they've elected um so yeah the people of australia get to pick their leaders and they pick authoritarian leaders and those authoritarian leaders um basically take away their human rights um there's just no two ways about it um you 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 can argue well you know it's for the good of the people well that's what dictators always say right that's always the reason for the tyrant Uh, For whatever he or she does. Um, That's always the reason given. It's for the good of the people. Um, Has been used for just about every tyrannical decision. uh, Levied against people. And of course. So my point here is that you can have. Democracy and tyranny. um, Because people unfortunately will sometimes vote themselves uh, tyranny. They will vote against their own rights, basically for the illusion of security. Um, so it's very interesting when you hear um, so this is interesting when you hear going forward uh, speeches, uh, listen to when they say democracy, particularly Democrats or Democrats versus Republicans. Who is talking about democracy and who's talking about freedom? Because I would say democracy is little use without freedom, particularly when you're talking about America. Um, you have to have democracy, but unless that democracy is leading to greater freedom, you're not really getting the America that we were meant to have by the founders and that is my argument so again there's just so much authoritarianism um of course the democrats and the left in general have just been woefully ignorant their messaging on the subject of libertarian or um getting the vaccine and masking and doing all that, their messaging has just been horrendous because they fail to understand that pe- there are people who think like they do. See so thing about the left that I've found and the more I look at uh more more I notice it, I'd say the more I'm aware of it the more I see it, I guess, is that the left people who are particularly on the stream left are very fearful lot. They're very fear-driven. Now, of course, their leadership, of course, is power-driven. But uh, the rank and file of the left is very fear-driven. They're very fear-driven left, uh, fear-driven lot. And so they can't understand, they can't comprehend people not being uh scared into taking actions into giving up their liberty they they cannot understand it they cannot put themselves in the shoes or in the in the minds of the person maybe this person who just escaped communism from eastern europe uh, like that polar polish pastor who railed against uh the draconian tactics in canada um he was eventually arrested for having uh services christian services outdoors uh he was arrested um and charged with, with whatever they charged him with. for forget but you have this person who grew up in poland you know communist poland he knows what real tyranny looks like and he sees it uh in this case in canada and um he he rebels against it and then he get i got he got in trouble again i think somewhere oh yeah he was doing some sort of speech attending some sort of event and i say seattle i believe and of course antifa was there because they there can be no people speaking out against the authoritarianism of the state which is ironic which is you know But, you know, we know about the ironic nature of Antifa's name. So I don't have to really go into that with you again. But you have these people uh, and, you know, not for nothing. These are a lot of the same people who, if you remember, they're saying Trump is is a tyrant. Uh, These people who before... Were saying Trump is a Nazi, he's an authoritarian, he's a uh, fascist and here you have this person doing all these extreme authoritarian things. Uh, some of it uh, really crossing over into fascism in my opinion and you know you don't hear and all you know all of a sudden that's fine with them apparently but um that's where we are now uh let me this up by saying the democrats make no attempt particularly the people advising us, they make no attempt to uh, understand the people they're talking to uh with regards to their freedom these are people who are more concerned with being free than their life okay you know give me liberty or give me death, you know, or, you know, live free or die. You know, these are people who take that, those mottos seriously. And the Democrats, particularly this administration, this regime, just cannot understand they can't fathom people who think like that and that they cannot uh, produce a message that will get to them, which is unfortunate because I think that if you look at the data, um, you know, if you look at the pros and cons, I think most people—not all, but most people—will would be well served by becoming vaccinated. Again, that's something that I would advise you to discuss um with your doctor, your physician. You know, do your research on your, you know, for your own. There's a lot of research in there just understand that some of it's good some of it's bad some of it really is misinformation um and there's misinformation on both sides um of the argument but uh if you cut it right down the middle um i think and this is just me speaking as a layman not as a doctor of course but most people are probably be well served um if they get immunized and particularly if they're in one of those groups that are highly susceptible to um to uh the worst cases of COVID 19. i think most people should get it and it's a shame because again there's just complete obliviousness on the part of the administration on how to get to people like probably me and you who are open-minded but don't want to be told what to do we want to be told what the facts are we don't want to be told what to do and so i'm just going to leave it at that um we'll see what what else we hear from them on the subject i'm sure we're not done yet but this is really has not gone over well um, um particularly with more conservative and libertarian crowd here um so the you know let me go on to the next subject just briefly in the time we have left um because it is the day as i'm speaking this as i'm as i'm saying these words it is the day after the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on New York City, on Washington, D.C., and, of course, there's a plane that went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And so this is one of those days where we really have to reflect on the freedoms that we have as America and the things that also make America great. Uh, The way that America came together in the days shortly after 9-11 was just amazing to see. Um, It's almost a pity in a strange way that there are so many people, you know, who weren't around or were too young to know what happened on that day. But um, there was the shock and, I guess, the fear and alarm that, of course, went with the anger. Uh, that went along with the uh, events of September 11th, but it also in the days following this, how the country just united um, as Americans for at least that short period of time before the divisiveness of the politics, the politicians uh, took over again. And, it, and it's kind of a shame in a weird way that so many people were not here are around to experience that to know what it's like to have to feel like a one single american one single american people and it, of course you know due to the divisive re- rhetoric such as what was given in the speech you know i was just talking about from president biden and others um it's just a shame that this that the divisiveness the divisive rhetoric continues um and we have to listen to speeches like this um and it is a shame um but um just also to reflect back on that day um, that's one of those days that people who were alive and old enough then will never forget you know that's what. the one of those days where you remember exactly where you were when you heard the news. Um, just like you hear people like your, your maybe yourself or your parents, or your grandparents can tell you exactly what they were doing, where they were. When they heard that uh, Kennedy was shot, for example, this that was one of those days. And um, it's just as clear as day in my mind, particularly when you look outside on a day like today and yesterday, it was almost a, a exact replica of that perfect day on that, I believe it was a Tuesday, on September 11th, 19th, so September 11th, 2001, where uh, we were attacked. It was a, it started out as a perfect day, perfect morning, and of course it it turned out to be anything but. And the only thing perfect about that day turned out was the weather. Uh, in the United States on that day. And so we can reflect on the bad things, on how we were attacked, um, but we should also reflect on the good things, that um, we can be together as one, and we should seek to um, regain that commonality between all Americans. And that's why uh, rejecting the... The divisiveness like this uh speech and the divisiveness of things like uh critical race theory in particular and the 1619 project in particular um really combating that really makes a difference because we can't even get anywhere close to that unity that we had shortly after nine eleven. uh we can't get we can't get back to that as long as we have these uh, highly divisive and destructive ideologies in our midst. Um, again, the, the wokeness, the cancel culture, uh, CRT, uh, and things like that. You know, that it makes it worth fighting for when you know that you can have one America, one people who believe in American exceptionalism, and of course... American exceptionalism was proved over and over and over again just on September 11th itself and then in the days following and over and over again as we went to Afghanistan and uh, people like myself who found themselves some five years later uh, in a far-off land uh, called Afghanistan, little did we know that everything, all of the gains that we made there at the time uh, would be reversed um, less than 15 years later. Uh, it's a shame, but that's what happened. So it really, um, keep that in mind. So when you talk about like the shock and horror and the brutal ideology of the Islamic extremists that did it, also take the time to think about how america came together as one country and we were all americans for that brief period of time and try to keep that in mind kind of like as almost as a goal when you talk to these uh social justice warriors online or in person and when you go to your school district meeting and and uh, or you run for uh, local office or even national office or get involved in some sort of activism. Keep in mind that the goal is to have that unity and to just, just um, shuck away all those divisive ideologies, the CRTs and, and things like that, the wokeness that divides us. And so, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. And I want to thank you for listening. And I think this was an important one. Um, Again, I encourage you to read uh, more about this, and link to the speech in its entirety, if you get a chance, on libertyrelearn.com. On libertyrelearn.com, you can read more about it. And on Liberty Relearn on uh, Facebook. And uh, me, of course...